0: We are Tim and Michelle Hill with Connect Over Coffee, and this is the Morning Moments Matter Show.
1: And we are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning for about 10 minutes over a cup of coffee to encourage you to make your moments count. Our monthly theme for April is I Choose. So we're focusing all month on making choices and decision making. Today, we're going to get a little psychological (laughs) and talk about the role of habits and decision making. The rest of the week, we'll talk about life habits that set you up to make better choices. But today, we're going to talk about how we make those choices.
0: So there are five steps to every decision that you ever make. You might go through those steps lightning fast or slowly, depending on the decision, the situation, your mental capacity, and what decision mode you're in. Hmm. But these are the five steps that we go through. Number one, representing the problem. The we ac- problem. The problem. We actually recognize that there's a problem, and we describe it. So this is the, this is a problem, and this is what the problem is phase.
1: So I get up in the morning, open up the cabinet, and realize that we're out of coffee. <clears throat> How could that happen? What, what I just can't even fathom that. There's no coffee, and that is definitely a problem. That
0: is a problem.
1: For everybody. <laughs> everybody involved or within a three-mile radius. <laughs>
0: So number two, identify the potential courses of action. What are your options? I
1: could skip the coffee. Not a good option. <laughs> I could drink something else, but I really don't drink Coke okay. or soft drinks wait, or wait, wait, anything wait. like that. These are only the
0: options. These are not evaluating the
1: options. Oh, well, that's not that part of it? That's step okay. three. I'm skipping steps. I'm good <laughs> at that. Okay. So I could drink something else. I could go to the coffee shop. I could go buy coffee, I could borrow some coffee from the neighbors, or I could throw a tantrum. And that's not good for anybody <laughs> right, no, either. No, <laughs> no, in,
0: in a three-mile radius. So step three, then we select the course of action based on the valuations. So this is where you're evaluating those options and choosing one. This is where the choices get made.
1: Ah, after the weeping and gnashing yeah, teeth.
0: Well, after you've listed, okay, these are the <laughs> options, then you think about how they... All, how they play out, and this is the this is the choosing part.
1: okay. so if that did happen, I would grab my keys and go to the coffee shop and get a barista made cup of liquid happiness. and then <laughs> I would buy coffee while I'm there. <laughs> So So
0: you cover both of those options in
1: the same action. Yes, I'm combining.
0: All right. So then we actually execute what we decided.
1: Well, that'd be me driving to the coffee shop to get the
0: coffee. Last step, step number five, is that we evaluate or learn something from that choice. We consider how successful the choice was and how we should handle it next time.
1: So I need to never run out of coffee.
0: (laughs) That's right. Amen.
1: But local coffee shops are an option. And I do that because coffee's great. But then I could learn that going to the coffee shop in the throes of caffeine withdrawal, I can't drive. So that's not necessarily a good option. So I should have borrowed some coffee.
0: (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) So most experts agree that step number three, that valuation step, is the most important. So within that step, in that there are three types of valuation, Pavlovian, habitual, and goal-directed. If you have ever had a basic psych class, you learn that a Pavlovian response is a physical response to a learned or conditioned trigger.
1: So that's when I hear the coffee grinder grinding my beans, I get happy, and my mouth waters because I'm ready for the coffee.
0: Yeah, the sound triggers your physical response, right? It happens. So much of the time, people are processing by habit or routine. So what would that look like?
1: Well, I always have cold brew in the refrigerator, so I have <laughs> coffee to make the coffee. That's a whole another episode, several series. But I go in there and I get that coffee before I do anything else and I'm not really thinking about it. It's part of my routine. I don't have to decide to do that.
0: Then we have goal-directed decision-making, and that's when you intentionally go through that five-step process. So the other automatic ones, those evaluation symptoms, kind of short-circuit the whole process. They make it automatic, which we'll talk about in another episode. But
1: <laughs> We have so many other, episode <laughs> other episodes. episodes.
0: <laughs> but goal-directed decision-making is intentionally going through that steps instead of automatically.
1: It's intentional is the key word. Intentional. Yes. So in the middle of the afternoon, I usually need a pick-me-up, which is more coffee, but I'm trying to cut back my coffee intake. Not really. So (laughs) I decide to walk around the block instead. This is a a hypothetical. Completely hypothetical. This is just for your benefit because I am not cutting back coffee consumption. (laughs) I do like to walk, but with coffee. (laughs)
0: So those are the three valuations that our brain shifts through as it responds to problems. And we can shift those modes at any time, but that balance between them is easily disrupted.
1: For example, a chronic stressed brain loses its ability to be reflective, which affects what we learn from a choice. If it wasn't a great choice, we don't realize that we shouldn't do it again because our stressed brain can't figure that out. So we find ourselves doing the same thing over and over
0: Working memory is the ability to control our attention and distraction. Working memory has limited capacity and it can be impaired by anxiety or stress or craving or addiction or intoxication. Impairment leaves us less able to control our impulses.
1: We know we make bad decisions more easily when we're drunk, but there are other things that can impair our working memory as well that we should be aware of.
0: Yeah, so think of working memory or short term memory like a shelf, where we mentally set things down for a bit until we need to pull them off again. As a little child, you might be able to set maybe two things on that shelf, but your capacity grew until about the time that you were 15 years old. Working memory capacity is not the same for all of us, so you might have a bigger shelf than I have. Our shelves are different sizes typically. So when your mental shelf gets full, when you've stuck too many things on that shelf, when you put something else on, the thing that you put on first gets knocked off.
1: It's a capacity thing.
0: It's a capacity <laughs> thing.
1: <laughs> Here are some, some examples of working memory over capacity: forgetting where you put your keys, your phone, a small child. Not um, that
0: I've ever <laughs> experienced any, any of, of that.
1: those. <laughs> you used to have two kids. <laughs>
0: Um, No, that's terrible. Don't say that. I did not. We lost one.
1: No. Um, Forgetting what you were going to say. You're in a conversation. You're like going to say something and it just poof goes away. Um, Getting distracted from tasks. Squirrel. You're needing something, but forgetting to bring it with you. You just leave it behind like small child. And having to reread a paragraph over and over to remember what it said because you're just you can't focus, you can't concentrate.
0: So you say, "Great, I'll just install a bigger shelf. We'll fix those (laughs) those capacity problems." Well, maybe. From my very non-scientific quick look, maybe it's inconclusive. A very definite maybe. (laughs) A very definite maybe. There's all kinds of sites out there that exercise your mental capacity, build your short-term memory but it's inconclusive about whether those actually work outside of the time that you're act, that you're working in those games or whatever. It it does increase your capacity while you're doing it, but it tends to wear off pretty fast. At least that's what some of the studies say. So it's not conclusive.
1: So what can you do?
0: What can you do? What can you do? You can focus on the things that'll make more space on the shelf you have. So I don't know about you, but I have some storage shelves that are pretty crammed full in my house. And our mental capacity gets the same way. When we get impaired by all of those things, stress, anxiety, all that stuff, we can take care of some of those issues that are crowding our shelf.
1: One way to do that is to reduce the stress because stress is a shelf bully. It is. It expands and overtakes other things. And stressors aren't just a hard season at work. They can be physical, emotional, mental, spiritual. They can all be playing a role. So there's a lot of a lot of different stresses and different bullies to take up your space. All
0: right. So let me give you an example. For ex- this is one that is very personal for me. This is actually me. This is allergy season in the south. And I know that this time of year, what all of the other things that happen in the middle of this allergy season is our schedule picks up. It's getting nice out. We want to, get to do more things. There are more activities. There are school things that come with the end of the year. I think I counted what do we have? Six weeks left of school. And so information starts picking up, deadlines start picking up for my son. So there's more details for me to keep track of with that. And because of my allergies, which affect my working memory, I have even less room on my shelf than normal to deal with all that additional stuff. And I spend much of the spring with a very reduced capacity. So I know that if I do things that can reduce the allergy response stress, if I take care of the allergies, like I can take meds religiously, (laughs) don't forget my allergy pills. If I go outside and work in the garden or walk or whatever, if I shower as soon as I get home, if I eat and sleep well, I can reduce the impact or the shelf space that the allergies are taking up.
1: Number 2, practice mindfulness. A 2013 University of California Santa Barbara study explained <laughs> that 48 undergraduate students, they studied them, and they were assigned either 2 weeks of mindfulness or 2 weeks of nutrition course. And at the end of the experiment, the students who had taken the mindfulness training showed increased working memory capacity. On the average 16% higher on their reading comprehension test, not only their own compared to their own previous levels, but to their peers who just took the nutrition course with no mindfulness. That's significant. 16 is a lot.
0: It is. So the third way you can make more room on your shelf is exercise. Some studies have shown that working memory increases with daily exercise, and no one knows exactly why this is. But scientists think that physical activity improves the health of brain cells, and it can also indirectly affect memory by improving your mood, helping you sleep better, and reducing stress. Do stress think, again. Do you think we could have said it any more times today? Stress. Reduce your level of stress. These are all areas that affect our cognitive abilities.
1: So let's summarize what we've said. It's
0: been a little bit technical of, a, <laughs> a little, of, a, yes. of an episode. For a
1: non-science quick look, it was pretty, <laughs> pretty deep. Um, Let's summarize what we've said. There's five steps that you go through to make any decision. No matter how fast you go through them, you go through all five steps. And step three, the valuation, is the most important step.
0: There are three ways that we make value judgments about the choices or options that we have. First, Pavlovian, conditioned response. Second, habitual. And this is not necessarily a bad response. We'll dig into this soon. And goal-oriented, or what we call intentional decision-making.
1: The capacity of our working memory is a major factor in our ability to participate in goal-oriented decision-making. So it's often the difference between drinking an appropriate amount of caffeine (laughs) in a day rather than the 20 cups that I want to drink, which sometimes I do. No, I've never drank. (laughs) Disclaimer, I've never drank 20 (laughs) cups of coffee in a day.
0: You can increase your ability to make intentional choices by reducing stress, practicing mindfulness, and exercise. And there are others, but if you start with those three, you're going to get way down the road, right? So today's To Go Cup takeaway is to pay attention today to how you make decisions. Notice that five-step process, but especially that valuation step. So are you making your choices automatically because you're conditioned to make them that way or as a habit? Or are you making them
1: Intentionally. Today's episode is brought to you by the Morning Moments Matters box. <laughs> better coffee, better life delivered to your door every month. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. We're here every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We will back here on Wednesday at 7 a.m. Central Time. So make plans to join us now.
0: Until then, remember that your best day starts this morning.
1: Stay caffeinated, y'all.
0: I did not bring a hat.
1: Let me get you one. It's a hat kind of day for me, too.
0: Well, if I sit like this so people can see that I have hair, I'd be okay with it, but I don't think it's going to do that.
1: You don't want the bald Sinead O'Connor look? No, not today. What day? (laughs) I hope that's never a day. (laughs) You
0: don't like the bald look? Here's hoping I don't ever need chemo, then.
1: And there's the live music that gives me chills. That gives you chills? (laughs) It's an amp up thing. It's like,
0: woo! Woo! It's Monday! It's Monday and I already messed up my hat.
1: How do you mess up a hat?
0: Jazz hands!
1: (laughs) For those on the podcast.
0: Seven, six. Make your own jazz hands.